You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. What are you doing? What am I doing? You were just looking very intently, and I realized you were probably just looking at our podcast outline, so... Yeah, that's all I was doing. Wish there was something more to say. sounded really forward coming out of my mouth. I realize that now. Mm. It was very, what are you doing? I think the environment, you know, offset that. It did? Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Off topic. Did you have something? Did you have an off topic opener? Uh, No. I have one. I love it. I've been, well, this is really going to date it, but as long as we release this episode within the month, it'll be relevant. Um, I've been watching the Olympics. Have you been watching? Have you even been, has it been on your radar? The Olympics have been on my radar, but I've not been watching. Understandable. There's a lot that I'm like not going to watch. Winter Olympics are my thing. See, we are a You're going to say we're a Summer Olympics family? We're a Summer Olympics family. And I say that, but that's actually more Morgan as a Summer Olympics person. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I'd be interested to know what her favorite Either way, I'm like, oh, the Olympics go USA. Yeah. That's that's about the extent of it. You bring up an interesting point, right? Because my whole life, my whole life, school spirit and my name have never been in the same sentence. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just not me. I didn't have it in high school. I didn't have Ethan, it in college. where's your school spirit? I don't have I gave it. it up. I, I killed it's it. It's gone. <laughs> I gave up that ghost. Yes, it's never been my thing. I don't even, and, and when I say that, it's not like I'm trying to be a douche. Can I say that on this podcast? <laughs> I'm going to, just for now. It's just not, I don't get it. And here's the thing. When I say that, I don't understand it, is what I'm saying. Sure. It's a set of emotions that are foreign to me. Sure. And that's all there is to it. Yeah. It's not spite. I'm just right. like, that's odd. You Okay. <laughs> that's cool. Every Actually, it's not odd. It's what everyone experiences except me, apparently. <laughs> um, surely I'm not the only one. I just, it feels like it sometimes. But when we get to the Olympics, I'm like, we can win this. <laughs> That's when I care. Go USA! It really comes out then. Oh. Um, it's like it's like our team, and then then I have like these like these people that I'm like sub rooting for. I'm like you're sure. just very charming. Like I like yeah. what this person brings to the screen, and I'm like, well, I hope they do well. Yeah, in second place. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm rooting yeah. for you to get silver. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. Fine. I think also I love like that gold. it's like only four years. Like only every four years does this actually happen. Yeah. it's like wow. It's I remember thing. watching it four years ago. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I remember that individual, and they did really well. And it's like, wow, it feels like you're picking up on the journey with them four years later, because that's exactly what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's actually how the math works. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. How is the USA doing? I'm going to say a I'm lot of things we've been doing, we've not been, a lot of the things that I've been watching, we've not, not been necessarily been taking gold. Um, yeah, so I don't know where the stats land us. Um, I actually do know where the stats land us because I have a tab open at all times. Um, <laughs> we're, we're actually doing better than I would have said. And as far as like international teams were fourth, we have 10 medals at the time of this recording. So we're trailing behind Germany, Norway, and I don't know what that abbreviation means. So a third, <laughs> a third nation. Probably like European nation that has I'm thinking it's maybe Austria a lot of snow yeah probably and where are we on the gold count I was right it's Austria Uh, we have four we have four golds, so does Austria. Norway has five. Germany has six. Wow, Germany really running away with the gold medals there. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, Netherlands and Sweden right on our tail. I'll tell you what, one of the best events I watched. This is irrelevant. No one cares. Um, <laughs> but if you go if you go watch it on replay, I'll tell you a really great event, I thought, was the women's big air event. Okay. Uh, with, I don't know if that's also for snowboarding. This was specifically skiing. Basically, you go down a ramp, and then where you go down a very steep slope, and then hit a ramp, and then just do cool stuff as much as possible, and then land. <laughs> That's what, that's what you do. And you get three shots, and your best two shots count. 
okay. to a cumulative score. Yeah. And it was just like an emotional roller coaster mm. to see who won and who did really well. And you're like, whoa, did that trick even exist before you just did it? <laughs> Really impressive. I did not know anyone was capable of doing that. Yeah, we did not win that one. Just uh. a spoiler, but it was <laughs> still a satisfying journey. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's cool. That's been my life recently. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> you know what else is a great satisfying journey? What is a satisfying journey? The journey of Abraham. Yeah. In his faith. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. It's like the Olympics of the Bible. <laughs> not at wow. all. That's, that's a wow. bad comparison yeah do not run with that and pretend i never said it <laughs> now so far in our, our mini series on covenants we've looked at the covenant of works we've looked at the noahic covenant mm-hmm. and now we're going to move on to the abrahamic covenant which yeah. is big name here it is yeah i wouldn't know whether to tell you in the old testament whether the abrahamic or mosaic covenant is the most right. like well-known uh-huh. most prominent what figures i'm gonna have to vote closely. for mosaic in terms of name alone <sighs> yeah that's in fair. terms of content Remains to be seen. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that distinction. Yeah, because I would actually say if you want to understand the structure of all the major covenants that are going to follow, it is vitally important to make sure you understand the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, interesting. In we did not start with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. We're we going chronologically. What's the matter with you people? Come on. <laughs> actually, like that we're doing Jamie that. Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of the Mosaic covenant, this the Abrahamic, along with the Mosaic covenant, is referenced by Paul over and over again in the New Testament, particularly in his discussions about faith and salvation. Huh. Like how you understand the relationship of those two in particular is going to have massive implications for how you understand faith and salvation. That is odd. Like, it's not surprising to me that Paul would make direct references to the Old Testament. That makes sense. Obviously, it's still profitable if we take Scripture seriously. It's relevant to the New Testament. However, it's interesting to note that a covenant that came so far before the crucifixion would have so much to do with salvation specifically. I am interested. (laughs) I probably said the word interesting like six times in that because I have a problem with the word. (laughs) As you can see. We're here with our words. We do that thing. You know, you forgive us. You listen. (laughs) No, I mean, that's a great observation. And, you know, anyone listening might be asking in a similar vein, you know, why is a covenant that God made thousands of years ago with a guy named Abraham so important for understanding our salvation Mm. today? That's exactly what I'm asking. Right? But like... (laughs) Way more concise. <laughs> oh, well, it's a great question and uh, one that we can hopefully begin to answer succinctly as we do on oh, the podcast. It's all the only time. way. It's the only way. Every way. In every episode, every time. <laughs> First, some background. In Genesis 12, we're introduced to Abram. Mm-hmm. That's what he goes by before he's renamed mm-hmm. Abraham. And you're going to have to forgive me, but I'm going to interchange those oh, it happens. Those names. It, I'm talking about the same guy, okay? So in Genesis 12, God calls a man named Abram out of Ur of the Chaldeans and tells him, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And uh, there's no stated reason for this, right? There's nothing that Abram has done to get on God's radar, so to speak. Uh, This is where we first meet him, and it's God saying, hey, go, leave, and I'll do these things for you. So God simply calls him, and Abram goes in faith, and that is it. And that actually, I don't have time to get into the side note, but that actually kind of like pestered the Jewish people. Like they came up with all these weird accounts for why God would have done that. Very interesting subsect of discussion, but we just don't have time for it, unfortunately. Well, it is kind of wild. Like, 
if I think about this very seriously, in a very tactile way, right? If God said to me, uproot, I will make you a great nation. <laughs> I think I'd be like, eh, you know, um, not really in the market to be a nation. <laughs> I'm not especially interested. Have you have you seen them? They are complicated. Too much for me. Wars and resources and <laughs> wow. People. Yeah, I don't like that. Laws. Uh, and th- and then <laughs> and then you get this reassurance like immediately after uh, yeah. with the blessings and curses I'm thinking, okay, well that's a f- feeling like a good safety net here, right? <laughs> Starting to feel bulletproof even because what I like here is like, you know, blessings who bless you, but in him who dishonors you, I will curse. Not yeah. him who curses you, I will curse. Him yeah. who simply just dishonors you. Yeah. I'm feeling like impervious. <laughs> so that is actually very encouraging. Some guy subtweets you and it's like all of a sudden- You're dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it. You're done. Um, so that's pretty nice. But also with all of this in all of this in place, I'm just yeah. going somewhere. You're just going to show me. I'm thinking like, how are we going to do this? Yeah. There's all actually a lot of question marks. Right. Yes. Which is why. Paul and the other New Testament authors, the apostles in particular, use him as the archetypal example of faith because he has no... What would be the word? There's no like. He's not the chosen one necessarily, right. and he doesn't have all the answers. Right. Like, there's no like. Oh, here's the roadmap. Here's the plan. Here, all this. Like, he's just yeah. like, you do this, and I'll do this. And there's no explanation for how. That's so interesting. That's I didn't think progress. about that. Yeah. And of course, I mean, it takes him decades to actually <laughs> yeah. even get to the point where he yeah. even begins to see one of these promises fulfilled. And in fact, the major problem that recurs throughout Abram's story is that, in spite of the fact that God has promised to make a great nation of him. He has no son, which, mm. if you don't have children, begins to make the nation-building prospect mm. difficult. It's a complication. Yeah, to put it to put it mildly. <laughs> His wife, Sarai, is barren. That's the real problem. Yeah. So, in Genesis 15, here's where God makes a covenant with Abram. And he does this to reassure him that he will have offspring and that they will possess the land that God has promised. So, mm. this is kind of one of those reassurance steps that he gives him to say, oh, like, course. don't be afraid. Like, I'm, I'm actually going to keep... My promises. Now, in preparation for the ratification ceremony, this is where it starts to get really interesting, at least in my mind. God tells Abram to bring some animals and slaughter them and divide them in half. So this was a fairly common procedure in ancient Near Eastern covenant ceremonies. And I think we talked about this we did, in a previous yeah. episode. So this is where the presence of God in the smoking fire pot and the flaming torch passes through the cut up pieces of the animals, which if you remember from that episode, this signifies the fact that God is taking on all the conditions of the covenant himself, mm-hmm. that he is putting himself under the obligation to keep them and basically saying, may I be as these slaughtered animals if I fail to keep my promises and uphold the covenant I've made with you. Right. Keep my promises, which is really remarkable. You think about the fact that God is spirit and doesn't mm-hmm. have even the remote possibility of being killed, yeah. slaughtered. Or breaking his promises or failing to uphold his covenant. Right, yeah, like that's a, the author of Hebrews draws that out. He's like, by two unchangeable things, this oath and who he is, like he does this. And of course, what's really striking is Abram does not walk through the pieces at all. Yeah. Like this all rides essentially on God. So normally both people do this, both parties? You would have either that or the weaker. Okay. In the ancient Near East, it would be called like a cesarean vassal. Mm treaty so like you have the vassal would be like the weaker yes indebted vessel and yeah. then like the suzerian would be like the king mm-hmm. and that's not what happens here yeah which actually brings up i don't remember if we discussed this but you'll sometimes hear people talk about the difference between like an unconditional covenant versus a conditional covenant yes right that's not really 
true or helpful oh, or an accurate way to talk so? about it because and you think about it, like this covenant has conditions it's yeah. just that god is agreeing okay. he's the one who's going to keep them so like every covenant has conditions it's just a matter of who does it ride on i see to fulfill them yeah now again we're at this point in the discussion and we might be saying again that's all well and good but what does this have to do with me yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. okay cool fun fact abram's got this stuff going on but this gets drawn out by paul in great detail in places like Romans 4 and Galatians 3 especially. So in short, <laughs> you know, because we just, we can't, we can't exegete every, every one of those verses. But in short, when God says that through Abram, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed, Paul makes it clear that the content of that blessing is actually a reference to the gospel. So he draws this out by arguing that the way God's blessing primarily extends to the world is through the forgiveness of sins and the justification that God offers to sinners freely by faith through Jesus Christ descended from Abraham. So the idea is just like God had promised Abram, I will be your God and you and your offspring will be my people. That's the primary blessing that through Abram is extended to the world, which is a reference to the gospel Hmm. given through forgiveness of sins, which is drawn out again explicitly in places like Psalm 32, where David says, blessed, using the same kind of terminology, blessed is the one whose sins are not counted against them, who whose sins are taken away, et cetera, et cetera. So I hesitate to say this, but I can't help but wonder, is the extent of this relationship to salvation just like, hey, it's a similar picture, like through one many are blessed. Given how we started this, I'm inclined to say there must be more to it as it relates to us, more connective tissue. Yes. Okay. There is a lot. Oh. Many, many, many different angles that we could connect it to. And unfortunately, time just limits us from doing that. But that is the substance of what we're getting at there. I don't remember if I mentioned this in another episode, and if I didn't, shame on me. But like one of the undergirding principles of all the major covenants in the scriptures is what's called the Emmanuel principle. So the Mm. idea is these covenants are established to the primary end that God will be our God and we will be his people and experience the blessing of life with him and in him. And so that's what is the substance of the blessing Mm. that's going to extend to the nations through Abraham. So Paul says in Romans 4.13 that this covenant that God made with Abraham, that he would be the father of many nations and that his offspring would inherit the promised land. So here's maybe another piece of connective tissue. That was actually a promise that Abraham's descendants would inherit not just a piece of land in Palestine, but the whole world through the salvation offer of Christ. Yeah, it's like they were the heirs of the whole world. How does that work? So (laughs) this is interesting, I think. (laughs) It's all interesting. We're using that word a lot. But you think about it. I'll use an analogy first, and then I'll explain how it applies. Imagine if I came to you and I said, hey, Ethan, I'm going to bequeath to you this house. I'm going to give you this mansion. Okay. Just give it to you. It's like this beautiful mansion. Everything you could possibly want or need is in this place. And you go on a long journey. All this stuff happens, and you come back. I don't know where you went to, but you come back, and you're like, all right, I'm ready for my mansion. And I say, (laughs) that's great. And I hand you a title and a deed, but it's not just a title and a deed to the mansion. It's a title and deed to this whole piece of land, let's mm, say. Like, mm-hmm. not just the house. It's like, oh, you get a million acres. Yeah, wow. Like, everything, like, the house is included mm. in this land, but you also get all this other stuff. That's a lot of property tax. Right? <laughs> no property tax, wow, right? Wow, okay. This is different now. So, when God makes a promise to Abram, you'll inherit this land. Yeah. He's going to keep that promise. Mm-hmm. Abram's descendants are going to get that land. Right. But also, yeah. they're getting it because they're getting the whole world. Oh, so, okay. Christ, I'm jumping ahead of myself here a little bit, but Christ is the heir of the whole world, right? He's the Lord of all things, right? Well, Paul says, by faith in him, of the kind Abraham had, we're co-heirs with Christ, which means that everything Christ gets, we get, which means that in the new heavens and the new earth, we don't only get that stretch of land 
Palestine. We do get that. But we also get the whole cosmos. I was curious if like the new heaven, new earth thing would, if that was kind of clear. That, to me, that is very clarifying. Yes. Anyway. That's exactly what we're getting at there. So Abraham and his offspring are the heirs of all things. They're going to triumph over their enemies. You pointed that out. And we want to be in on that, right? Oh, like yeah. That's what we want. We want God to be our God. We want those blessings. The question is, how can we possibly inherit those promises? How can God be our God? How can we receive those blessings if we're not actually descended from Abraham? Mm. And that's a key question that Paul is dealing with in a lot of the epistles is how does that actually happen? Because the Jewish people really did think those blessings are going to be ethnically limited to them. Right. Oh, you would. Yeah. If that was right? you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Paul sums this up nicely in Galatians 3, 7 through 9, where he says, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Mm. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So he's making that link there. The way you actually become truly descended from Abraham is you have the same faith that he had. And Paul proves that point by referencing Genesis 15, 6, where it says that it was Abraham's belief in God that God counted to him as righteousness. So this means that faith in the Lord, not circumcision or law-keeping or anything like that, is what justifies us before God and makes it possible for anyone to be included in this covenant that God made with Abraham. Mm. Like, Abraham received those benefits through faith, not because he was some, you know, like, oh, we, I just chose you arbitrarily because right. blah, 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 blah. So we get in the benefits the same way. So understanding that God made this covenant with Abraham, that he would bless the whole world through him, and how we become recipients of that blessing is all part and parcel with understanding not just how we can have temporal blessings. So like we're talking about that, like we have forgiveness of sins right now. Yeah. We have reconciliation with our neighbors and God as a possibility right now. But also we understand how we can experience the truly like the greatest blessing of salvation and life in God and the hope of a new heaven or new earth where we do inherit all things and where we see God face to face. Theologians call it the beatific vision. Like that's our ultimate hope. And again, God fulfilled all the conditions of this covenant himself to wrap this all up when he sent his own son, mm. the second person of the Trinity, in the words of the Nicene Creed, for us and for our salvation. Because amazingly, when you think back to that ratification ceremony, God's presence passing through the slaughtered animals to testify, may I be, as these animals, if I fail to keep my covenant. Now, the thing is, is God never broke any provision of any covenant he made, right? I noticed he that. never did that mm -hmm. because he can't, right? He is faithful. He cannot deny himself. The problem is all of his people did. Every single one of them did. Every sin, every rebellious choice, every faithless thought is a violation of the covenant. And yet, when it came down to it, God actually became incarnate so that he could, in fact, be slaughtered, not for any of his violations, because he didn't make them, but ours. He became incarnate in order that the covenant might not be broken, and he had to be slaughtered. He had to die in order to make sure that those conditions were actually fulfilled, that justice was satisfied, in order that, again, <laughs> the covenant could be kept so that we could enjoy life with him in a renewed world. What I find really fascinating about this is like when we look back at previous covenants, the Noahic covenant, for instance. Yeah. God places this unique significance on the sign of a rainbow as a reminder. You know, well, obviously, he's not in danger of forgetting. Right. Right. Yeah. So, again, I think, okay, this offers us reassurance. Right. How nice. Yeah. And then and then when I think of the presence of God passing through the slaughtered animals here, again, I think he's not at risk of violating the covenant here. Right. This must be a dramatic display for our benefit. Yeah. To put our, you know, hearts and minds at ease. <laughs> 
which I think maybe at worst risks making the whole display feel a little toothless because we know he can't fail. Yeah. <laughs> what's, you know, was the harm in him saying, may I be as these animals, if it's literally impossible for the covenant to be violated yeah. until you realize, as you just pointed out, I'm restating what you said. I'm just restating because <laughs> I think the I think it demands emphasis. <laughs> Until you realize we are the ones who break it and yeah. we bring about the consequence. Yes. That's almost chilling. Yeah. But also astounding. Yes, it is. And that he actually took on human flesh so that he could be slaughtered. Yeah, just to do that. Yeah, so that he could bear our sins in his body on the tree. So if you are happy to enjoy the blessings of forgiveness, even now as we speak and as you listen, <laughs> and you love the hope of a new heaven and a new earth, the Abrahamic covenant is what began to really flesh out that reality. Like you can look back to that and say, oh, that's kind of the anchor point yeah. for where this all started and what in a sense makes all this possible because it's by means of this covenant that the new covenant breaks into the world through Christ, of which more in a few episodes when we get to that particular ah. covenant administration. But for now, due to time constraints, we must cut this short because mm, the next episode emphasis. yeah because in the next episode we're going to take some time to talk about the sign of the abrahamic covenant which is circumcision oh, yeah. so that's why we're cutting this heard i've heard that <laughs> guess we're gonna go there <laughs> everyone else is like no we're done now. like we're not listening anymore that was one bridge too far <laughs> Well, hey, thanks as always for listening. Hope this was an encouragement to you today. And if it was and you want to leave us an honest five-star review, mm. the Apple Podcast platform. You would be bound by no covenant. No covenant would bind you to do that. No, you're right. You're exactly right. There's kindness no, right. graciousness free, of your heart. Free mercy and, and <laughs> delight and love. And if you have any questions on this or any other topic, feel free as always to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net or interact with us on social media. Thank you as always for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.